This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 226, the most important films of sci-fi and fantasy decade by decade. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Well, hello there, stranger. Hello there, alien. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery. You know who I am, so we're no longer strangers, but we might be aliens. And I'm here because I am here to talk about some sci-fi and some fantasy and some film and some history. And I'm not alone to talk about those things because I am here with Steve MacDonald. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? And Evan David. Hey, everybody. I'm doing fine, Steve. Thanks for asking. You're not everybody, but thank you very much. I am, too, doing well. So <laughs> that's everybody here on mic. And everybody at home, you can answer in your own time, in your own way. And Feel free will... to talk aloud as you listen, wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, those people who are looking at you and looking, giving you those strange looks, don't, don't pay them any mind. Don't pay them any. They don't know you. They don't know anything about you. They don't know you the way we know you. That's right. Or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, so we care. They don't. Exactly. Exactly. So, hey, we are here to talk about a uh, fun, I think a fun topic. And uh, the topic in general is this. We're going to go decade by decade from 1900 to 2017. And we are going to talk about what we think are the most important or most influential uh, sci-fi or fantasy film of that decade. Now, one thing we're doing that kind of goes against the grain for me, but we are starting on the zero and going to the nine. Urgh. So we're going from 1900 to 1909, from 1910 to 1919. That's how we're doing the decades, even though it's wrong. It's not the <laughs> way it's supposed to be. Technically, technically, 1900 is part of the 1890s decade, but... That's okay. That's okay. I did ever, not know that. Yeah. Ever since the millennium, when everyone got it yes. wrong in the entire world. <laughs> yes. Uh, ever since then, we've just had to live with it. And The first year after negative one, 1 BC, the first year was 1 AD. There is no zero. There's no zero there. year. So the first 10 years would be 1 to 10. Those so the first 10 be... years ever. Yeah, so – well, the first, the first ones that matter. Uh, by, the so cal- the first, by the calendar, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, it should be 1901 to 1910, but visually we're going to go with 
1909. Not just visually. I mean, honestly, there are one or two movies that would get popped off the list for me. Yeah. uh, Because of the way it lands. So we'd have to cheat otherwise. Not that there won't be cheating involved here. Yes. Oh, no. No, 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 no. There'll be some cheating. No, and th- uh, I'm going to say I misunderstood the instructions because I only selected sci-fi and no That's fantasy. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. So, well, maybe one of us will bring up a fantasy movie that you would have. Okay. Yeah. So, I have very little fantasy on here. So, I mean, I could add some more, but. So a couple caveats, and one is Evan is actually in the room with me because our internet connection with him was wonky. Yes. Um, That also means that we had to move out into a different part of my house. My wife is not home yet, but she will be soon, so there may be an interruption of the domestic variety. Does she know I'm here? She knows you are here. Oh, good. Yeah, so it's not going to be a (laughs) surprise, but uh, that's one. The other is just kind of where this is coming from. I don't know if any of you listeners remember the episode that we did. Uh, that we were starting a series about important moments in sci-fi history. Uh, oh, I think that's my wife now. Uh, this kind of comes off of that as far as what the purpose is of what we're doing. Uh, because we were going to go decade by decade, starting with, well, we did a prequel episode. We never did any decades. The prequel episode that we did was from Gilgamesh to Frankenstein. Right. And that was fun. And then we were going to pop ahead over to, uh, like, I think it was 1890 or something like that. But then we decided, no, we need to do something earlier. And we never got around to it. Uh, So this is one place where this episode kind of came from. This will be a breezier, lighter jaunt through history, though, because uh, we're not doing a decade per episode like we had planned on doing. But this also came from listening to a Disney history podcast that Daniel Butcher recommended to me. Uh, for one episode, there's just one episode he thought I'd like, but I ended up ro- listening to the whole thing, and it's a it's on my list now. It's on it's in my thing where I'm subscribed to it. Um, it's it's a great it was a great fun thing. But they're talking about like the history of Pinocchio and Snow White, and then also Kong Skull Island. Kind of those two things kind of got me thinking about these older movies that are really important movies that not just shaped science fiction and not just shaped pulp culture, but really these are movies that ended up starting something new for culture in general, uh, if you look at some of these things. And so I'm not sure what's on Steve's list. I don't know what's on Evan's list. Um, But we're all going to just kind of stick to one per decade. For each one of us, we'll bring up one that we think is the one. We might mention a couple others that were runners-up, but those are not going to be really part of the conversation. And yeah, we might mention one or two. <laughs> if I know my Steve McDonald, and I do, um, yeah, there there'll be more mentioned. And actually, I know because of my list the way it, the way it came down. There was some hard decades to just choose one. Yes. Um, the other thing is, you could consider this list as sci-fi homework. These are movies that you should see just because of what they are, not because you might like it, <laughs> uh, but right, just yeah, so you yeah. can kind of get, you know, a, get a deeper understanding of where the stuff that you have now came from, comes from, or is referencing. So, yeah, this is like etymology work. It's like yeah. the history of the words is important to understand how the, what the word means. So the history of the movies that you're seeing now is important to let you understand what you're seeing. 
you know, a, a lot of times my kids will be watching a cartoon and they'll have some reference in it. You know, it's full of stars or something. And it's passably funny to them because it's presented funny in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Or but they don't get it until they've seen 2001. And then they're like, oh, OK, now I understand. And it makes it pop a little bit to them. Yeah. So, well, two places for that. One is Phineas and Ferb. Uh, they reference so many things. And yeah. then we, I watched The Fly with my kids. And mm-hmm. my kids are like, is that like the teleportation episode of Phineas and Ferb? <laughs> and they got the joke on a different level. And the other is Mystery Science Theater 3000, where they'll oh, bring yeah. up something. And every once in a while, my kids, will, I, more than every once in a while, a lot of times my kids will be like, they don't get it. You know, the, the, the jokes come so fast and so quick. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's just on to the next joke. But then, but then, every, but then every, once, every once in a while, that's like that movie we watched. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anything you want to add here to the the preamble at the beginning, Steve or Evan? I don't think so. I think I think we've covered. All right. So we are going to start then in 1900, and from 1900 to 1909, and you know we'll just go we'll just go around the bend here. And so, uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Tell us what is your most important movie for that decade. I think the one that almost anyone would go to is A Trip to the Moon, which is silent. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's everything you think of when you think of a, a science fiction silent movie from the first decade of the last uh, <laughs> century. Um, it's campy. It's over the top. I mean, you know, the, the moon has a big face in it. Uh, you know, the, the, the spaceship smashes into the moon's eye, you know, and all the stuff. They shoot the spaceship out of a giant gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At which, the moon. <laughs> which, I mean, if, if you go back to, uh, well, I think it's uh, First Man in the Moon uh, by Jules Verne, I believe, the, the, there was a space gun. I think they, they used a gun in one of those. But, yeah, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's just, it's, it's picking up all, all those wonderful uh, uh, elements that H.G. Wells and Jules Verne threw out, and now they're making it visual and just over the top. And boy, a marvel of special effects technology. I'm serious. I'm not, yeah. that's yeah. not said in sarcasm. I mean, that's all done in camera. It's all matte paintings and costumes. And it, yeah. I mean, it doesn't pass as for photorealism, but it passes for, you can see, you can tell what they're trying to it, display. It's, yeah. Was it that magical realism or the fantastical realism hmm. where it's a stage play, though? Yeah. Like they they do it as a stage play because that's just how they had to do it. And so mm-hmm. they had the stage in front of the camera and they were moving things in front of the camera and they were yeah putting up the matte paintings. They're doing the camera tricks, cutting the film and creating new technology, basically. And yeah. I think a lot of what we're going to talk about did that. The other thing it reminds me of is just kind of definitely wells definitely Vern, but also do you remember hearing about the the big moon hoax that happened in the early 1800s where basically the one in the 60s no no i'm talking about in the 1835 (laughs) where um they there was a series of articles that ran in a newspaper that we were describing things that they had seen on the moon Hmm. and it's all these wild creatures and fantastic creatures and so that again, I get the vibe there too of just 
yeah, it's just wild creatures. It's wild adventure. It's definitely an adventure movie. And mm -hmm. I think it's worth your time to seek it out. Now, this is my mine for this decade as well. Me too. And so Evan had it for this decade as well. And I, I actually yeah. have a, a vision for this movie that someone could take it and modify the speed of it because you know the, the the speeds of these old films they're not perfect and everything looks sort of like jumpy and everything like that but if someone could modify it so it looks at least semi-normal and then people get together and actually make a script for it and put some music behind it and just make it into a talkie you know it's not <laughs> That'd be interesting it's not long. It's it's short enough that it, it it could be that that thing, and you could just sort of take it as it comes and you know redub the whatever it looks like it's going on there. Try to make it as as close to possible, hmm. and just make it a talkie. You know, it sounds you could like do a it. job for the YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I what actually only I actually only know about this film from uh, the movie Hugo. Have you guys mm -hmm. seen that? I haven't seen yep. it yet. No, it's, it's basically it's a, a love. Yeah. It's a love letter to the birth of cinema and these old uh, early filmmakers, especially George Melies, who made the Man of the Moon or the Trip to the Moon. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's got it's got a weird plot and pacing, but uh, it's I would recommend watching that if you want yeah. some added his, history to the to this movie. Uh, it dives into the history of the man behind the movies and hmm. and shows like some behind the scenes stuff of how they did what they did to make it. So right. it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next decade and the next decade is 1910 to 1919. And honestly, if we weren't doing this from the 10 to the nine, um, the movie I'm going to have might've, no, we wouldn't be talking about it because it wouldn't knock out a trip to the moon from from anything for me. But and mine is Edison's Frankenstein, which is from 1910. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is, first of all, the first Frankenstein on film, uh, the first Frankenstein's monster on film. And it's a legit adaptation, though. Uh, again, it's a silent film and it's old and it is definitely <laughs> one uh, – there's some it, it doesn't hold a, up well as as well as it could but, no, but it's, it's it's a new version of it too I mean it, it has I don't want to ruin it for people who actually want to go and see it but the twist at the end is different than mm -hmm. any other Frankenstein uh, film that I've ever seen hmm. so uh, it's Steve do you know Chris Amber I do yeah yeah he did yeah. a comic book adaptation of this and it's it's yeah, fantastic sitting about two feet on top of it it's underneath my bed <laughs> <laughs> nice it's 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 a good a good yeah. book so um i did not have a movie for this decade okay i could not find <laughs> one i i could the, not find one that golden i decade didn't find one that i knew about or or anything so if we were going 1911 <laughs> to 1920 i wouldn't have one for this decade either i, okay. I yeah this would be difficult yeah and part of that is just we're looking for important ones. This yeah, is the only decade that I missed. Like it'd probably be a newsreel from World War One or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then we hop to the 20s then, 1920 to 1929. And while I do have a runner-up, 
uh, there was really only one choice for right. me for this movie. But we're going to start with Evan okay. this time around. And we'll so. let's see if I let's see if I pegged. See if it. you hit the one, the really only one choice for this decade. Is it Metropolis? You got it. No. Oh, I... yeah, it is. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Because this have is you the, seen, this... have you seen it, Evan? I have not. I've seen excerpts and clips, but I I have not got my hands on it yet. It's two hours long, isn't it? It's feature length. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. if it's two, but it's it's long. But it's... this is like the genre defining mm-hmm. sci fi movie, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. For yeah. the longest echo, it's. Uh, it, there's camp, you know, there's, there's, wow. If you really look closely, these people are wearing a whole lot of makeup and <laughs> I mean, over the top acting that you would, you would imagine in, you know, German twenties, silent cinema. Um, but visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's got all, it's got the future cityscapes and the, the robots and stuff, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> It's the the first time I watched this, I actually was watching it in the wrong frame of mind. It was very late (laughs) and I was falling asleep and I was falling asleep during the one scene where the robot uh, is kind of changing into a woman. It's just this very surreal kind of thing. And it was like, I shouldn't say the wrong frame of mind. I mean, it's the closest I'm going to get to like a drug trip is falling asleep (laughs) while watching a movie, honestly. Yes. I guess I could get a step closer if I had a fever. Yeah, yeah. Because that happened yeah. once, and the the movie actually came out of the TV. Or you've taken medication yeah. to help you with your fever. No, I was <laughs> I, I was watching a – I can't remember the movie. It was an animated movie. I had a fever, and I was watching this thing and falling asleep, and vines from the movie came out of the TV, and the characters were walking on the vines. It was just this 3D experience. But anyway, the, with, the, with the Metropolis, it was the same thing where it was like, oh, my goodness, I can't stay awake. I got to stay awake. And, and then – I, I I forced myself to get up and stand up and finish it because it's good. It's really good, but it is very, very different. I mean, you're talking about the length. Mm. It's a silent film. Yeah. And where, is it the type of silent film where they stop and then we cut to a screen with the dialogue? Yeah, there's some there's some title cards in there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of context where you're just figuring out what they're doing, cool. what they're saying. Um, and the visuals, you can't – I mean, the, all the big sci-fi movies – uh, that came after this definitely was that's that's a mark for them that's a mile marker for us to look back at and say how did they do this what did it look like and you know so you see this this shows up in Blade Runner this shows up in Star Wars this shows up in and so anything that's referencing Blade Runner or Star Wars is sure, referencing Metropolis, Metropolis yeah. you know and yeah yeah it created a language of science fiction visuals yeah for the longest time yeah. uh, I stayed away from from this because I believe there's an anime movie with the same title and a friend yes. was telling me about it and that it's like graphically violent and stuff like that. I don't so. remember. I, I remember the movie. I don't remember it being graphic. I, it was, been I was so like long in middle school that and movie. someone described it to me and I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't ever want to watch that. So, but this is not, what would that. it look like <laughs> if it was, what if it, what would it look like if it was non graphically violent? Off screen. <laughs> a lot of off screen stuff yeah. you can hear it it's audibly violent but just not graphically uh before we move on you want to talk about a a trippy movie to fall asleep to is a uh, dragon wars i woke up i woke up in the, in the middle of that movie and i was like what is going on i fell asleep in like the first five minutes anyway 
<laughs> yeah. I've gone back and rewatched it, though, in, uh, instead of starting at midnight, you know, maybe starting at 9 o'clock. That's my recommendation. In the, uh, in the evening, mm-hmm. still, for me. I mean, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was not a, a wise choice to try and take in a, a movie of this sort uh, as a college student, you know, at you midnight. You had a runner-up? Yeah, my runner-up uh, leads into my, my next movie for the 30s. So I'm going to wait and mention my, my runner-up when we get into the 30s. But okay. uh, is, is Metropolis your choice then, Steve, as well? For the 20s, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't think there's any anything else that holds a candle to it. You could even potentially make the case that it's the most important sci-fi movie of all time hmm. because of the groundbreaking work that it was yeah. and the way it laid uh, a foundation for everything that came after it. So, right. I mean, there's there's a horror movie, but if you wanted to stretch it out to that from the 20s, that uh, is very influential as well, but it. I think it strays a little bit too far from what we're trying to get at here. So that's why I didn't include that one. Well, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to put anything up against this movie, though, just because of what it did. I mean, if you're asking right. for influence, uh, influence, or if it's you know importance, uh, it, it's Metropolis for sure. Right. For sure. Okay, so 1930 to 1939. I actually had a, I had two runner-ups for this one, but I had to go with just one. But I want to hear what yours are first, Steve, and then and then Evan. So Steve, what do you got? This 1930, was, 1939. This was tough for me because it's it's such a rich decade. Um, I went with uh, I, I I wanted to go with. Lots of different things. I mean, all the different classic uh, movies are there: Dracula and Frankenstein, and mm-hmm. uh, you know all the good ones. There's, there's uh, King Kong, which was a brand new thing. It, it wasn't based on you know older literature. Uh, you had Snow White, you know, knocked out of the ballpark. It was just absolutely fantastic. Um, but what'd you go with for for ab- absolute just influence? I went with Wizard of Oz. Well, let's talk about Wizard of Oz for a moment. Let's do that because that's mine too. Okay. And that was the only one I got. That's the wow. – okay. Because I thought we were only doing sci-fi and I thought Wizard that's of okay. Oz was close enough to sci-fi. So I didn't yeah. put Snow White. I would have put Snow White probably. Um, but, you can change it on the fly. Eh, I'm good with Wizard of Oz. It's very influential. <laughs> it be. Yeah. Well, but, but there's Snow a White reason why Snow White could be – more influential. I mean, Snow White was the first full-length feature animation film. Absolutely. And it kick-started all of the Disney stuff that we have. I mean, we wouldn't Nobody have... Nobody thought it was going to do well. No, except for Walt Disney. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah. he might have been worried a little bit, but... Yeah, um, yeah, but that's... I mean, that's the title that caused me to really start thinking about us doing this episode, is Snow White and Seven Dwarves. It's not my movie for the 30s, mm. but it's one of my two runner-ups. Wizard of Oz is the other runner-up for me. So, yeah, so, let's let's park on Wizard of Oz for a minute. A movie that should not be as good as it is. If you right. look into any background, if you look into any of the behind-the-scenes stuff for this movie, this movie should not have been made and it should not have been good if it did get made because <laughs> of all the troubles they went through. And the fact that it is what it is is a, nothing short, really, of a miracle. Yeah. It, it really – it's such an interesting story of all the different – 
uh, production problems and problems with effects and problems with this Rockles. and problems with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, the, the changes from the, the actual book, you know, you're sort of like, why? Well, not, <laughs> not just changes to the book, changes to the script as they are making the movie. Parts of the movie are done yeah. and they're changing the script and they're changing the yeah. story in there. Yeah. Um, but then musical numbers that get cut, which when you find out what it is, it really is good that it was cut because it, the move, the, the musical numbers they keep tend to be more everlasting uh, or evergreen, I should say. Uh, but yeah. the ones that they cut ended up being more of a, a gimmick of the time. And hmm. yeah, mm. plus the use of black and white versus the use of color and yeah. And, and then they use fantastic colors. Yeah. Just fantastic. Yep. acting. Yep. You know, you just, you, there's so much there that, is influenced. I mean, it is influencing movies nowadays. I mean, uh, uh, a sky captain used actual film footage from wizard of Oz as part of its, you know, storyline. They're in a theater watching the wizard of Oz. And it's not just a mistake that it's the wizard of Oz or just like, Oh, isn't that interesting? It's the wizard of Oz. It's specific. You know, it's it, they they chose that because of all the different wonderful you know things that you're getting out of it. I don't want to ruin it if anyone hasn't seen Sky Captain, but you know, go see Sky Captain. But go in in the understanding that you know, have the Wizard of Oz in your head too as you're going to see it. And I mean, it, it was, Sky Captain is is famous for uh, all the little Easter eggs and all the little callbacks. I mean, the the, the Fleischer Superman cartoons and. Uh, you know, the, in, in mm-hmm. one one scene, they they go to a door. And it's uh, you know one one three eight on the door. You know, thx one one three eight from you know George Lucas's. Uh, well, famous Sky thing. Captain is definitely a, a love letter to film. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, to, and yeah. to classic old pulp film. But we're here to talk about Wizard of Oz for this moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, looking at Wizard of Oz and what it did, I mean, highly influential. But not just that. I mean it. It's it's uh, Joseph Conrad's Hero's Journey, uh, one of the first best examples of it. Um, I have a book that specifically uses Wizard of Oz as the template for how Campbell. Campbell, yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. Conrad is the heart. Of, that's a different journey. Heart of <laughs> so, darkness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, journey to but, the of darkness. But uh, this this is a text textbook example of the hero's journey and literally in a textbook that I have using wizard of Oz to explain how the journey works. Mm. And there are some, I've seen a couple different places where they, they take wizard of Oz and put it side by side with star Wars Hmm. and it almost, you know, all the beats are there and right down to even the, the character types and stuff like that. Um, It's yeah. So wizard of Oz Definitely a giant in cinema history. I don't want to move away from it if you guys have more to talk about, though, because I still have my 30s choice. I don't have much more to say. All right. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of interesting to hear what you're going to, to name for your 30s movie. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone what it is, though. It's King Kong. Mm. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why I said my runner-up from the 20s kind of feeds into this, and that's uh, Lost World. Nice. Who Willis O'Brien did hmm. the the uh, special effects there with with Lost World stop motion and stuff stop motion and but again King Kong kind of getting into that 
we are creating new cinema and you know all the different um layers of effects that they were doing with um they would have a matte painting in in the front they would have uh, the stop motion stage in the middle, and they would be projecting frame by frame live action actors on a screen behind the puppets. And so they would just move the live action camera one frame. So there's the lady. She moved a little bit, hmm. and then we're going to move the ape, and then we're going to sh- you know shoot that frame, and then we're going to. I mean, the, the making of King Kong is almost as interesting as the movie itself, hmm. and the movie itself is. I think still stands up. I, I think that it definitely is of a time, but it's right. And, and the other, the other thing is it's one of the first special effects blockbusters ever. And right. it's also one of, if not the first movie where the lead actor is a special effect. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, even Metropolis's robot lady is, uh, a person, in you a know, costume. in a costume, but She's this a secondary character too. But this is the first where you actually have a, a special effect that genuinely causes you to have an emotional connection. Yeah, you know, when Kong dies, it's sad. You may not cry. Spoilers! Hey, spoilers! You may not cry, but it's it is a sad moment, and it, it carries you. So. Yeah. yeah, King King Kong for me is the most influential movie of of the '30s decade. So, All right. now I the '40s is a, the '40s is a more difficult one to choose. One, uh, there's a lot. So there was. Well, <laughs> for me, there was. Evan, what do you got? I don't for the know. 40s? I, like I said, I didn't know a lot of these, and I also just thought we were doing science fiction. And if I it was fantasy, I probably would have picked another Disney one. Um, but <laughs> what I did pick, and I asked Ben as we were compiling the list, are short films okay? Mm-hmm. And he said yes. And so I'm going to go with Fleischer Superman. Pick one. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's fair. So That's I, fair. I love those. My, I think my favorite one is Attack, is it Attack of the Mechanical Monsters, where that's it's – it's the robots who are jewel thieves, and they yeah. go in and, <laughs> and steal the jewels, and Lois ends up getting stolen as well. Of course. Yes, and then Superman goes to save her, and he try, the bad guy tries to pour lava on top of her. And, you know, that's, my, <laughs> that's my favorite one. And, and when you see in current modern Superman animated series, when they show the Fortress of Solitude, usually there's always a mechanical monster in the Fortress of Solitude on display, which is nice. pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I mean... But if we're talking about influence, I mean that's not a very big influence. But that's a huge influence. I mean, it, it's a Superman is, is, as a well, character. That's, I'm saying I'm saying that particular influence that's oh. minute. But the the cartoons as okay. a whole, yes. yes, yes, Superman is a huge influence himself. And then the cartoons, the excellence mm-hmm. of the animation and the technique, which was rotoscoping. They had live action actors act out a lot of these scenes, and then they animated over top of. What these what those actors were doing, which yeah. of course gives you realism. It's it's motion capture in the nineteen oh, forties. Yeah. Yeah. So it was also propaganda for mm-hmm. World War Two. Some of them. Mm-hmm. So the second round, especially because they had like the Fleischer ones that Fleischer was actually involved in, mm. and then they had a set of them that Fleischer, from my understanding, wasn't involved with. Okay, but 
but they definitely had him joining the war effort. Yes, and, yes. And at least a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, what do you got for the 40s? 40s, you know, I... This is this is just one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's I'm almost like I wish it were more influential than it actually is. But it did spawn a, a remake, a horrible, terrible remake in this in the eighties. So at least it's that influential. Um, Cat People, which is just <laughs> a very moody <laughs> fantasy uh, slash. Very light on the sci-fi, but still, you know, it, it broadens into that. Um, and it's just, I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's Simone Simone, I don't know, who, you know, plays the the, the lady. Um, but it's just this, this really interesting understanding of human nature. And can we escape it? Can we escape what might be our destiny? You know, and the the darkness of it and everything. It just, uh, you know, I'll still watch it to this day. So, so the reason Evan and I are laughing is because this is a movie that has been brought up yes. numerous times. Um, it's a favorite of yours, obviously, Steve. And I have seen it now. Uh, the reason I watched it was because I bought a set of movies so I could see, what is it, Curse of the Cat People? What mm-hmm. is the sequel? Yeah, bad. well i i wanted to watch cat people so i could watch curse of the cat people so i could find out if curse of the cat people worked as a strange christmas movie which i did a blog series of christmas movies that aren't really christmas movies and it does work as a strange christmas movie nice um but as a result i've seen one of steve's favorite movies finally and it is definitely a movie worth talking about influential most important well Steve, it's your list, yes. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I couldn't but, think of, of much else from the '40s that was actually influential. So, well, Although here's like the, the spruce super. Here's what I was stuck between. Uh, basically, my my conundrum with the '40s was the same as the '30s. In the '30s, I'm looking at Snow White versus King Kong, Disney versus uh, King Kong. And in the 40s, I'm looking at Pinocchio or Fantasia versus Mm. Mighty Joe Young. Because Mighty Joe Young was Ray Harryhausen's first movie Mm. that he got to work on with Willis O'Brien after having seen and being inspired to get into stop motion by King Kong. So can you imagine going and seeing Star Wars in 1977 and deciding I'm going to get into film because of Star Wars and then 10 years later you're working with George Lucas wow. on a movie. You know I mean that's the kind of thing that happened. And as I understand it Harryhausen was a big influence on Pixar. Oh yeah. Also. I so. mean he became one of the giants of animation. Yeah. And I mean, anyone who's into animation, there's obviously different kinds of animation, but stop motion and drawn cell animation and, and now computer uh, generated stuff. But Ray Harryhausen is a huge influence and you can see his thumbprints in Monsters, Inc. and in Monsters University. You can see some of the things that are definitely referencing him. And well, that one his... restaurant that you can't get a reservation for, it's Harry That's Hansen's. right. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. And they did an episode of uh, Gravity Falls where they meet someone who is 
it's it's Ray Harryhausen by anything but name. <laughs> and they're actually it's a cartoon, but they're actually fighting these stop motion monsters that are coming, you know, in <laughs> that are now part of it. It's it's fantastic. So it's it's the type of thing where he's still influential to this day. Yeah. So yeah, I could I could get behind that. But not what I went with. Did you go with Fantasia? I went with Fantasia. Aha. Yeah. I again I was bouncing between Pinocchio and Fantasia, both from nineteen forty. Um, Pinocchio being the runner-up, uh, as far as not the runner-up, but the uh, the follow-up to uh, Snow White. Mm. What are we going to do next? And uh, but Fantasia for me, it's not. It's just ambitious. Yeah, it, it's the ambition of it. Yeah. It's it's not the greatest as far as you just want to sit down and watch this whole thing. Maybe you know? in a, maybe in a movie theater you would. Absolutely in a movie yeah. theater. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's these short films. My daughter has films. watched it about a hundred times. Yeah, it's these short films set to music, and so there's the timing, there's the choreography, there's the the story that they're putting into each one of these. Um, they called it the concert feature. Yeah, yeah, and there's just so much that went into it to create something special and different and new, and and again giving people the opportunity. I mean, Snow White they had never done anything like that before, right? Where it's realistic people. Uh, in a carrying an entire animated film mm-hmm. and with Fantasia, it's, it's the same kind of thing where Disney and his animators are kind of breaking new ground because no one's gone there before. So how, what does this mean to do these kind of things to do these um, animated poems really with, without much of a plot? It's just trying to give you an emotional feeling. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Fantasia is what I went with and I stand by it. Before we move on, you want to uh, briefly touch on Fantasia 2000? What'd you think of that? It was okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the ambition wasn't the same because it was much easier to do yes. what they were doing with it. But at the same time, what they were doing with it was creating again, short films that have some little plot maybe or some just to carry you along with a journey with the music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a, a, a worthy follow-up, just not as wonderful right or i i really wish they would make some more and not wait 60 years in between (laughs) each film well because that was disney's idea originally was to to make them every so often well his original idea was that every so often they would uh switch out one so they take out one piece Hmm. and put in another new piece and i don't know if it would end up where by the end you know after what seven or eight years You've got a completely different movie, hmm. but it was definitely more okay. So people have already seen it, but they'd be more willing to see it again if they knew they were going to see something new along with it. Well, and now is the time to make another one because animation has just evolved so much since 2000 already with what we can do, and then in another 10 years it's going to be Fantasia virtual reality. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd love to see more. Yeah, well, Fantasia 3D. I mean, yeah. as crass as that sounds, I could see them doing that. <laughs> yeah. So is that the 40s for us? I think so. Did we? Okay, we all did 40s. our... All right. Well, let's move into the 50s then. I think there's only going to be one, if I if I have my guess correct. Okay. But I could be wrong. Well, why don't you start us off I then? I could be wrong. Maybe I'm misguided, but I put down here the day the earth stood still. That is a good one, and it's a runner-up for me. Mm. 
not runner up for me. Oh man, I was wrong. Well, it's worth talking about. It I is. mean, it's, it was a runner up for me. Uh, I've, we've talked about this movie before yeah. a lot, so go watch it if you haven't watched it. Watch the original one, and then you can go watch the new one with the with Keanu Reeves. But watch the original one first. The new one directed by Scott Derrickson, who directed Doctor Strange. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's decent. It's good. I mean, if you buy the new one, the old one's on it. Oh, really? Yeah. There's oh, well, there's a second great. disc that has the old one. So very cool. Yeah, but just super iconic, very influential. Yeah, a great um, first contact, you know, a great Mm -hmm. uh, aliens come down, what do we do now? And it still holds up, in my opinion. And it's not just aliens come down and start shooting things or, you know, aliens come down and and start a war. You know, it's it's not just shoot them up. It's not just flying saucers versus the earthlings. It's thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's got some twists. Yeah, it, it definitely um, bucks the trend in trying to create a, a sci-fi movie that tells a thought-provoking human story without lots of bang pow. Yes, and touching on very relevant modern-day social yeah. issues, if the modern day was 1951. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, there is touch- some bang pow, yeah. but it's that's not all it's about. Yeah. Well, and the bang pow is in service to the ideas. Mm-hmm. And right. and not just isn't it cool? We can do with special effects. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Steve, where where'd you go for the fifties? Well, I had a couple that I was throwing around, but I mean, you know, Incredible Shrinking Man, Godzilla, Day the Earth Stood Still, uh, you know, When Worlds Collide, you know, uh, uh, Not of This Earth, stuff like that. Just a fantastic decade. For science fiction. I mean, it goes all over the place. But for me, the the high point of the entire decade, just the pivotal movie is Forbidden Planet. My um, other runner up. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can imagine what yours is going to be. So <laughs> I don't but, think it'd be hard for anyone to figure out. But no, but we'll keep Forbidden it in suspense. Planet, Forbidden Planet. I mean, it's it's prototypical Star Trek. You know, it's it's a, a crew. There's a doctor. You know, there's a, uh, uh, they go down to a planet. There's a robot. You know, there's this uh, psychological element to the whole thing, which is a little goofy. It's you know, there there's some <laughs> Shakespeare in there. Um, it's just, it, I mean, there's Faust in there. I mean, it's it, it's so many different uh, things. And just combined in such a wonderful way. And it makes you think, too. It's not then, like those. But then there's also robots and spaceships yeah. and ancient yeah. civilizations. I mean, so it's hitting the tropes, too. And right, right. it puts them all together in this perfect little package. Yep. Yeah. Never seen it. Need to. You need to. Got to find it. It's homework. Okay. So yeah. It's, it it's, it's, again, this is one that even if you wouldn't like it, you'll be glad you saw it because now you understand where things came from. Right. You know, and but there's so much to like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one that I don't think should or could be remade. Hmm. I mean, if you remake it, remake it as something completely different, uh, you know, but don't give it the name forbidden planet. Hmm. Uh, if you're going to say, I'm going to do this Shakespeare play, but I'm going to do it in space. Great. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. 
but this movie is of its time and it's so well done that there's really no way to make it again in a different time. So Ben, for yours, are you going to use the American title or the Japanese title? American title. Okay. Yeah. But I'm talking about the Japanese movie as well, (laughs) but it's definitely Godzilla. And I would say both Godzilla and Gojira, uh, the the Japanese version, both of them are going to be influential. Um, The influence comes in just what it created, the things that took it and and ran with the idea and tried to copy it. But then the sequels and the franchise itself, I mean, King Kong was a little bit of a franchise. It's been rebooted a few times and it had a sequel. The original had a sequel. But Godzilla became the franchise. It was a vehicle, yeah. It was just, you know, dozens of movies over time. Yeah. And yeah. so to the point where they are still making them. Yeah. You yeah. know, and um, so in that way, I think it's kind of, it's an influence and uh, yeah. in, in trying to let's capture that lightning. Let's try and figure out how do they do this. It, again, it's one of those movies that maybe shouldn't have happened because of all the stuff that was going on behind scenes and the timeline they were trying to work with. And they wanted it to be stop motion. <laughs> uh, they went with man in suit because it's cheaper and quicker. Nice. Because you don't have to animate every single uh, move. You know, he just just walk down the fake street, you know, and and there it is. Or just put a puppet with uh, a matte painting in front of it, and he's looking over a hill, you know. And there are some cheesy moments that don't hold up. But the movie itself, ultimately, it does hold up. And it's it's a – if nothing else, again, it's it's homework. But it's, it's still good. And I, I would say both versions are good. The Japanese version has some nuance that the American version doesn't have just because the American version cut out some um, little plot elements. Hmm. And then the American version um, has Ra- Raymond Burr in it, which, okay, you know, he uh, he doesn't ruin it. You know, he was in it the way I, when I first <laughs> saw it. That was how I saw it was that was that version. Yeah. And it just it's Americanizes still, it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was smart, I think, for the time for them to be able to say we need a character who people can relate to. And when they come in to just see a movie that's going to be thrilling to them, they shouldn't have to, like, read all the subtitles and stuff like that because they're not used to it. And, and so let's make it easier for them to ease into this movie. And, yeah. But Godzilla, for me, absolutely, from the 50s, the, the most important. Cool. So now we come to the 60s, and I'm going to start this one off. Okay. 1960 to 1969. Um, I think there's only one movie from the 60s that could be considered the most important movie of the decade. And so I'm just going to throw it out there. You guys Wrong. can argue. Yeah, I was going to say, you can argue with me if you want, <laughs> but it's definitely 2001. 2001, uh, it's, it gives Metropolis a run for its money as one of the most important science fiction movies ever. But I've never seen it, but even I know it's 2001. Yeah, is the movie. Yeah, no. So what do you say from the 60s then, Steve? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, 2001. If you, you know, if 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 you cut out the beginning and ending, it's a really fun, uh, a really fun movie. You know, if you leave the other stuff in there, it's like you know a lot of evolutionary stuff tacked onto the beginning, and then a lot of 
weird where they're going with that. If you haven't read the book, you're really not getting it type of stuff at the end. Um, so you but know, that's it, not the question I was asking. The question isn't why am I wrong? The question is what is your choice for the 60s? <laughs> My choice for the 60s would be uh, Time Machine. As, as the and, most important or influential movie of the 60s? I, I mean, 2001, I, I can't argue with it. I'm just saying for okay. me, Time Machine, where you have all of those time traveling tropes, all of those uh, things where 2001 sort of was redoing what the 50s movies were, were doing, you know, showing what's happening in space, showing a spaceship, showing – you know, a, a computer mm-hmm. that's gone wrong, that type of thing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk s- about 2001 in a minute. Why, why is t- Time Machine, though? Well, that's what I'm saying. We'd seen those things before. They were just done so much better in 2001. With Time Machine, you were seeing time travel. And you really hadn't seen a lot of time travel in, in these films. It was mostly space or aliens coming down or whatever. And all of a sudden, you have this element of a time machine. And I mean, you still you, you still know what it looks like, you know. They they had it in episodes of The Big Bang Theory and stuff like that, you know, because it was so iconic. So when you're talking about time travel, and you're looking at uh, elements and memes and tropes and things that are used nowadays, I mean, you know, Phineas and Ferb they used the time machine. Uh, you know, whenever you see the, <laughs> yeah. the the spinning thing, or you see you know numbers. Uh, you know, changing in, in, in the way that they did it. And it, it's it's that type of a thing where without the time machine, you're going to be reinventing it every single time you need you need time travel. What year was Time Machine? I believe it was 1960. Okay. Um, yeah, because I thought you might go to the Planet of the Apes. But that was my runner-up. Yeah. Um, but 2001, and I'm going to go with the why, uh, and it's very easy, very quick. Um, makeup effects now makeup effects uh in, two, in 2001 uh were it's kind of funny because planet of the apes was around the same time same thing they're creating apes uh but planet of the apes is the one that gets like the special oscar i think well for the, makeup the cia went to them and yeah, had, yeah. and had them help um also but then you also have the the effects that they were they were doing and just the way that they were doing this realistic um what is what is it going to look like to be in space? And um, I mean, even the stuff at the end that you say can't be understood, which you're right in some ways. It's it's very difficult to figure out what is going on here because I don't think the filmmakers really knew what was going on there. But even that, you know, where they're they're traveling through the the space warp or whatever at the end, it, it's groundbreaking uh, in its its effects and just in its influence on what came behind. Is it a perfect movie? No, not at all. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's there, and it is what it is. I have so. this movie in my home. Ben lent it to me, like, a long time ago. And every time... Mm. <laughs> That's where it went. <laughs> <laughs> every time I... Uh, think about hey, i should watch 2001 i remember what everybody tells me and that it's super long and boring but you should watch it anyway and that just kills my appetite to watch the movie so you know i can i can give you i can give you the exact times where you need to watch just to get the meat of the movie well i'd want to watch so it all the way through but i just need you a, don't maybe you don't 
Well, yeah, you do. Oh. I mean, watch it. I mean, it, but this is of of all the movies in, of all the movies that could be homework. This is the most homeworky yeah. of all these movies. Oh joy! Yeah. About about twenty minutes in, you want to start it. Okay, start watching about twenty minutes in, and then you end with exactly thirty-one minutes and forty-seven seconds left. <laughs> Seriously, end okay. there. Okay. And you get this wonderful little movie. It's a, a little over an hour and a half long, so you're not investing a whole, you know, two and a half hours into it. It's not and two and a half hours. It's it's pretty long, dude. <laughs> it's not two and a half hours, though. It is. Maybe uh, we need to have like a pizza party. I think it's two twenty-eight. And we'll it's, what I, it definitely what would I help have to here. watch with somebody. Yeah. Because you can at least talk during the, the, 2001 is a movie you can talk during. Maybe I should watch and it with Brennan. He won't be happy with me. No, at the no, end. he won't. But <laughs> no, he won't be happy with you at all for oh. that. Because so. he did not enjoy the original Planet of the Apes because of the pacing. I think. Really, they have it here. They have it here as two hours and forty one minutes. It it's really long. I don't remember it being that long. You haven't watched it then. Wow. <laughs> I've watched this movie. The the no, the running time, the theatrical running time is two hours and twenty two minutes. Right, yeah. Okay. I've seen this movie six times, seven wow. times. The one I have is two twenty eight. So the times I gave were for that two twenty eight version. But basically start after that monkey throws the bone in the air. Just I'm, fast forward until you see a monkey. I'm gonna throw watch the, bone the, in the whole air. thing. <laughs> no. if I'm gonna watch it. Yes, yes. Because it's honestly, Steve, what you're doing, and it's not a bad thing necessarily, but you are totally just editing this movie into your own movie. Because right. so, that I'm is not what this movie is about. I'm editing it into a, a movie that is is normal length and makes sense. <laughs> but you're Instead cutting of, out the themes that they were trying to make with right. it. Right. But I mean, it's it's the ultimate vid angel up. is what you're doing. You're you're doing the. I'm going to do the vid angel that allows me to control the themes of the movie as well, not just the language and the the violent yeah, content. Exactly. But so <laughs> watch Steve McDonald's 2000. I do not remember it being that long. <laughs> oh boy, that's really interesting. I actually showed my wow. kids just that part of it, and they they liked it. And my wife was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and watch the other parts because she had never seen the whole thing. And she's like, I'm going to go watch the other parts. So I went upstairs. I put my kids to bed or whatever. I came back down and she's like like huddled in a corner of the couch, like shaking. And like she's like, what was that? And she didn't – I mean it was it was so foreign. It was so odd. It was so weird that she was just like you – know, I was like, I, I tried to warn you away from it, honey. Was it the end <laughs> stuff or the beginning stuff that caused uh, I, her the... I, I think she may have watched the beginning as well, but it was it was the ending where it was just okay. like, why and what and how and who and what? But again, yeah. you have to – that's the type of movie they were trying to make. Yeah, maybe I should wait till I get a fever and, and then, watch, <laughs> then yes. watch the movie. And then you'll have these people walk out of the TV. <laughs> you'll be laying there on your bed, but they'll be visiting you 
You don't know the reference, but... Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move to the 70s. Uh, righty, and man, I wonder which one it's going to be. <laughs> <They're>, honestly, um, <laughs> there's two choices. There's two choices. There is two choices, but there's really only one choice. So, But I want to start with you, Steve, because well, I'm wondering if you're going to do something other than a movie that came out in 1977. It's The Rescuers, <laughs> isn't it, Steve? <laughs> Silent it's running, not, right? You know silent it's, running. <laughs> no, it's not silent running. It's Dark Star. No. Um, ah, actually, the I, case could be made there, actually. but It could be. It's it's very tough to get through. But um, I actually had a, a couple of runners-ups, and I wanted to mention them because they do have a lot of influence as well. Like uh, Jaws. But obviously, obviously, Jaws, I think, huge I think runner-up. Which one? Jaws created the blockbuster. I mean, it was. But is that science fiction or fantasy? It's just a big shark. There's a a lot of science in that movie. Okay. They talk about science in that movie, and it's fiction. Okay. But for for me, (laughs) for me, numbers two, three, and four, because there's only one number one, um, two, three, and four would be uh, Alien. Actually, Alien would be number three. Superman would be number two. Mm hmm. Um, because you're getting just this modern retelling of Superman, you're getting modern retelling of, of superheroes. You're you, I mean, Christopher Reeve, the whole thing. So uh, Superman, I would put to Alien. Well, I would put number three because you got the science fiction plus the horror, you know, and the 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 closed uh, system, you know, that whole feeling with the, the claustrophobia inside the ship and everything like that. Uh, and number four is uh, I would say Andromeda strain because hmm. you have yeah. the, the okay. this this you know first contact type stuff but it's also a completely closed system if you haven't seen it they're basically underneath a desert uh, trying to figure out what h- h- crashed into the earth and trying to figure that out so a uh, lot of really interesting ways of looking things it's Michael Crichton from uh, uh, the Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park, yeah, yeah, and lots of other things that he did. But one of his very first movies, I think it was 1971, um, and just a fantastic sound design. I mean, a lot of these these movies I really enjoy because of sound design. I think uh, Forbidden Planet is one of the major ones. Uh, Cat People has a lot of good sound design, um, and and. Uh, uh, Andromeda Strain, one of those movies where a lot of great sound design went into it. Um, and oddly enough, uh, Star Wars, which is the number one, obviously, a fantastic sound design. Ben Burt, uh, one of my you know, big, huge influences of uh, sound and sound design, um, and it gets, gets it right. I mean, everything, his world building, the, the audio stuff that's going on just absolutely fantastic but of course i mean if you're talking about influential star wars is the only thing really going there for the 1970s yeah i mean andromeda strain i hadn't thought about it but it definitely belongs on lists of great sci-fi movies uh even though it is slow and even though it is uh not exciting necessarily uh, it's really no. people, people versus a computer, and 
in a yeah. underground facility. But the opening where there's this disease that's kind of what trying to, they're trying to figure out what happened to this town. It's horrifying. Just yeah. horrifying. Now they recycled some of that footage actually for a six million dollar man episode. <laughs> Did they? But, yeah, but I, you know, I throw out Silent Running, and I think that actually has some. It, it does deserve some place on some lists because it is again there. There's some really good ships and, and effects going on there. Not the greatest movie, but yeah, I've never been a fan. It, I I watched it a couple times and I've liked it, but. Um, yeah, so that's. Do we need to talk much about Star Wars though? <laughs> I don't think so. If anyone has seen it, <laughs> it is what it is. It created what it created, for better, for worse. Uh, movies after Star Wars were influenced by Star Wars. The movies before Star Wars, m- people have a hard time watching because mm. they're not Star Wars, you know. Right. And, yeah, Logan's um, Run. Those, you know, it, it's yeah. so many, uh, so many things that you would look at after the fact, after you see Star Wars, and you can just say to yourself, you know what? If they had Star Wars budget of ten million dollars at the time, um, you know, they they could have done so much more with it. You know, they they could have, you know, made it really pop. But not Star just Wars, budget, not just budget. If they had Star Wars. Influence. If they had seen Star Wars before they made Logan's Run, yeah, even on the same budget, Logan's Run would have been a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. Right. If they yeah. had seen Star Wars before they made Silent Running, uh, which actually Silent Running, the droids, the the androids in that movie yep. or the, the robots, influenced yep. how they made some of the robots in in the first Star Wars movie because oh, yeah. um, just the design not being quite human but acting human and, and that kind of thing, but. My runner-up was also Superman. It makes sense. Yep. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go. Eighties. This one I had a hard, hard, hard time. Not because there's so many, but because there wasn't much that was super influential on what became what came afterward. And I just couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure one out. So I got one. Okay. I picked hey, ET. What? I picked ET. You know, I didn't even put E.T. on my list. Really? One of my favorite movies of all time, but I didn't even – because – I don't know. I, I feel like it's very influential. It is. No, absolutely it is. Especially on current – like uh, you see a bunch of people taking the, the vein of E.T. and running with it like J.J. Uh, Abrams with Super 8 or mm-hmm. uh, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Yep. Um, and even yep. some of – Steven Spielberg's other movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, there are some horrible movies in the 80s that were trying to do what E.T. was. Like Mac and Me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's another one that's on, I think, Hulu. And it is so bad. It was like a South African movie. Mm. But the, it is amazingly, amazingly bad. But it, clearly, it was trying to be E.T. Hmm. And I actually started watching it and thought to myself, I can't finish this movie. <laughs> Normally, I can... I can find good things in bad movies. Mm. Yeah. No. Nope. Nope. That's remarkable. Interesting that you went with E.T., though. Yeah, well, it was between E.T., Tron, for its influence on visual effects mm-hmm. and computer animation, and Back to the Future. And ultimately, I decided E.T. is probably the most influential out of those three. Hmm. Steve, oh. what do you got for us from the 80s? 
Well, there, I, I found more in the eighties that you know maybe than than uh, than you did, Ben. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, I, I was thinking of things like Buckaroo Banzai, which you know added. I mean, it, it took the War of the Worlds trope and brought it into the eighties. It uh, you know with humor, um, with you know cool special effects, uh, the fly, which I mean body horror, you know mm-hmm. right out the. Uh, the, the 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 gate with the the odd, I mean you know Jeff Goldblum just turning into a fly, just horrific, uh, and what that added to the the whole thing, um, the thing, uh, John Carpenter's the thing, uh, which was just a fantastic, um, you know horror storytelling, uh, and even um, my number two was uh, Wrath of Khan. Which I mean, you know, Khan, and yeah. you know, I, I've always been your, you know, your, your friend. Um, well, and that's that, whole, that, that's just entered the the filmmaking vernacular. Mm-hmm. You're know, like, oh, this yeah. second one, it's gonna be the Wrath of Khan, or it's gonna yeah. be Empire Strikes Back. Which one came out first? Uh, uh, Empire. Empire Strikes Empire. Back. Okay. Yeah. And that that's what, what would be my first one because that was the first time you had a true sequel. And it was the type of sequel that sets it up for the threequel. You know, it's it's a true middle movie, and you don't get that outside of you know Lord of the Rings or something where they're making three in a row or something like that. Um, it gave the language of what do we do next, and wait a minute, there's more. You know, it just gave that whole language to science fiction. So, yeah, uh, interesting though because you didn't mention many that I was going to go with. I, I have a lot on my list here. I have The Fly, like you have. I have Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh. mm-hmm. um, American Werewolf in London. Just the makeup <laughs> effects for that movie, yeah, uh, just are something that hadn't been seen before. I mean, the the way that they created the, especially that that transformation. Yeah, um, Akira as a movie that kind of brought. Uh, the anime, Japanese animation yep. to a more popular American audience and beyond Robotech and uh, Battle of the Planets and, and Transor Z. Um, you know, I mean, we had some TV shows that were coming up, but uh, Akira kind of created the boom and just the, the desire to see more uh, anime. Um, Spaceship Yamamoto back in the seventies actually did a lot of that too. But. Well, it did, but it more for TV and, I don't think we saw quite what we saw because Akira hit during the uh, the rental era right. of of the world where you have Akira on the shelves in video rental stores, right? And then you have video rental stores actually having in an anime section, mm-hmm. and you have a lot more anime being brought over from Japan into the states and and being translated but not turned into something different like Robotech, which was turned into something different. Uh, Anyway, um, plus we're talking about movies, not TV shows. So really? Yeah. Uh, Roger Rabbit with the blend of, of animation and live action. I didn't think of that. Um, Little Mermaid. Oh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid being the, that Renaissance, the new, 
uh, Disney Renaissance. Yeah, the the Disney Renaissance started with Little Mermaid, nineteen eighty nine, where suddenly animation from Disney got its luster back. Yep, and 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 actually was, you know, making money and bringing people into the theaters more. Um, a Batman from eighty nine. Yeah, and then Blade Runner. Yeah. I think, I think is that Blade, your number one? I think that's the one I'm going to go with as as my choice for the '80s because, just again, the influence on what came behind as far as um, design and uh, you know the creation of a um, a multicultural international uh, United States of the future kind of thing, and yeah. um, I, I think that's what I, I would go with is, is Blade Runner as far as what's the most important sci-fi movie of the '80s, sci-fi fantasy, so. 90s wasn't as hard for me, nope. but I still had three choices for the 90s. And my choice number three would be Toy Story from 95. Oh, nice. Pixar, you know, all that. Um, my choice number two would be Terminator 2 from 91. Oh, really? Because of the, su- yeah. the, the special effects and just yeah. the way that they were using things. But my choice number one, I'm assuming I'm on the same page with you, Evan, but I don't know if I'm on the same page with you, Steve. Jurassic Park, 1993. Oh, absolutely. The most important movie of the 90s, definitely Jurassic Park. Yep. It's my favorite of all time live action sci-fi movie. I can I can understand why you would pick that. Uh, I didn't, though. Um, I was thinking more, uh, you know, I was I was going more towards like the Men in Black. You know, X Files, Fifth Men Element, Black. Galaxy Quest, uh, the first one, yeah, because it it just it it gave that. I mean, it was before the the X Files movie, so it, it gave that you know this governmental we know what's going on type of, of of a feeling to you know aliens living among us, and had comedy. I mean, it was there was just a lot of good going for it. Um, what I eventually settled on was. Uh, Sort of a cheat, but I mean, they sort of go together. It's uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Star Trek Generations and First Contact. Star Trek, really? Star Trek, yes. None of Star Trek like, Generations but... and First Contact are more important than sci-fi Park. movies than Jurassic Park. And I'm... you guys didn't even mention my runner-up, What's the your runner-up? Matrix. Yeah, I consider – for me, it was looking at what are the things I need to refine this down to. Matrix would have been on a list, but yeah, I don't think it was as important as – I, oh, I, I just was I, deciding its influence. Yeah, no, I, it's vast. Yeah, I can influence. see Matrix too. But with, with Generations and First Contact, you have the huge, huge jump from both uh, the end of the the original Star Trek – and the beginning of the next generation jumping from TV to film, and then first contact, you have the Borg. So, you know, on the big screen. And it's just those things combined, um, just amazing to have that, you know, coming onto the screen, just uh, to see the grandeur of the next generation. You know, when you when you watch them in on the little box every week, you know, it's kind of cool. But now you have them in a feature and it, it was teased, you know, in the in the two part episodes. And I think every once in a while, a three part episode or something. But, you know, it was teased that they could do these feature length things. 
and all of a sudden, bam, here it is. And then they follow it up with the Borg. I just you know? don't – I just – I mean I love Star Trek. Do not get me wrong at all. But Jurassic Park changed cinema. Yes. I mean almost as much as Star Wars changed yeah, cinema. Jurassic, it's, Jurassic Park is the it. movie where they said this is what CGI can do. Yes, because they were going to do uh, stop motion for the dinosaurs and then – the people from Industrial Light and Magic said, "Hey, let us let us show you what we can do here." And this is—it's not the birth of CGI in films, but it's the birth of photorealistic, right. realistic, moving, living, quote unquote, creatures yeah. on screen like with really humans. Weird. Yes, I mean because yeah. that's the other thing is once you put, you know, a Pixar movie, you put CGI next to CGI and it looks great. Yeah, because it looks like it's styled to be the same thing. Mm. The style for Jurassic Park was to style it as real. And yeah. uh, now there's still puppets being used and there's still practical effects being used. And I, for years, there are certain scenes that I thought were actually CGI only to find out that's actually just a puppet moving really fast across the screen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, but that's because the CGI that they did do was so good mm-hmm. that you could just believe that it was all cgi and this is the movie where they said we're changing things this is and and the the sound design you want to talk about sound design that's another thing that came out of this was just this amazing sound design i mean i i heard uh an interview with someone where he was talking about um figuring out what things do we need to do with our church to make it uh you know a better place for a, and, and they went and saw Jurassic Park and they're like the sound, <laughs> the sound. That's what, that's what we need to do is to make our building actually work with good sound. Nice. And, so know, not the just, gospel or anything, just good sound. That'll bring them in. Well, if you already have the gospel, why not yeah. do better sound? You know, it doesn't hurt. Well, yeah. If they have the gospel. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're judging people that I haven't even met, Steve. Come on, man. I'm just hoping but, they have the gospel. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I mean, they went and saw a movie like Jurassic Park. It has dinosaurs and talks about evolution. So maybe they don't have the gospel. <laughs> oh, goodness. But anyway. I convicted. <laughs> um, I, I just – I. again, on this list, 2001, Metropolis, and Jurassic Park, these are all – Definitely top 10 movies of science fiction that influenced everything. Jurassic Park didn't just influence sci-fi movies. It influenced movies in general. Yep. So. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Just. 2000 to 2009. I have two movies from 2008. I only had one. Really? What is it? Iron Man. Yeah, that was one of mine. Uh, Steve, what do you got for 2000 to 2009? Iron Man was on my short list. Uh, so was X Men. So was the original Star Trek or the reboot there. Um, I went with The Incredibles. It's mm. just one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it it brought you know the the flat animation uh, back to you know it doesn't didn't have to be 3D. It didn't have to be Toy Story. Although I'm not saying Toy Story is bad or anything, but it just told you that you could you could do animation. You know you could. You could have a, a Steve. S- you superhero. you realize The Incredibles is CGI, right? Well, yes, but the it's it's like because it it's is like the feel of it <laughs> is a cartoon. 
you know, the feel of okay. it is is more cartoony than it is CGI. You know, and and it just uh, it, it, okay. I mean, you look at it and you say this is CGI. <laughs> if you want to say that, yeah, sure. But still, it was okay. It is though. <laughs> I don't think anybody looks at it and says, "Ah, oh, cartoon." It's, I, yeah. I, I mean, it might have the the characters the feel are more superheroy, cartoony than they are like a real life type of a character. Like even a Toy Story, they're real life toys. You know, I mean, they're toys that you would have around the house. But well, The Incredibles is definitely stylized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. the world is a stylized realism, right? And, and it's it's consistent throughout. Yeah, and I think Definitely. that's that's more what I'm talking about. You know, you can have that type of a a feel to it, and you don't have to have the uh, you know the 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 hyper realism of some of the other movies that are that are CGI that are like okay. that. But uh, I mean, just fantastic storytelling, fantastic characters. Um, you know, I go back to it all the time. It's just a fantastic movie. It's incredible. Nice. Fair enough. I picked Iron Man because of it. It has now spawned the connected universe movie franchise. Fad. What about Ang Lee's Hulk? You're completely forgetting Ang Lee's Hulk. I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no. But yeah, that's that's why I picked it because it, it's it's shaped the way that. Studios are doing movies yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. And I would go with Iron Man as well for that reason. My other movie from 2008 was Dark Knight. Ah. And it's interesting that we had those two movies in 2008. And so different. But, I mean, I want to do a series of, like, blog posts about strange double features mm. that yeah. aren't movies you would necessarily think to watch together. Uh, but they would go good together. You know, it's the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup kind right. of idea. And yeah. Dark Knight and Iron Man are 2008 superhero movies, but they couldn't be more different in tone and in theme and in just what they're trying to set out to do. And Iron Man itself... Kind of like uh, Civil War and uh, Batman v Superman. Yeah, that's also <laughs> fair, yeah. So, yeah, definitely Iron Man changed... I mean, they. I don't think they even realized the scope of what they were getting into yep. when they were yeah. just saying, we're going to set up the Avengers. We'll just throw With, Nick Fury in there at the end. Yeah. Well, and we're, we're, we got Hulk coming out, you know, just in a few months. Yep. And they'll be connected. And then we'll have Captain America and Thor. And then they'll all team up. It'll be great. You know, yeah. and, and then we'll be done. We'll move on to something else. Yeah. <laughs> and then we might do an Avengers 2 or something. Yeah. You know? But... <laughs> All right, so 2010 to now, right now, March 2017. Ben, if you say arrival, I will not. I'm going to get up and leave. I will not say arrival. <laughs> I will not. I honestly didn't know what I was going to pick, and then I was looking at movies from 2010 to today or whatever, mm. and I saw the one that was like, oh, that is it. That is the movie of the decade all right i'm interested to hear what you gotta say oh i'm interested to hear what you gotta say well i'm interested to hear what steve's gotta say steve what do you got Captain america which one captain america the first one the first just a phenomenal movie uh the first avenger yeah i mean i just i i love the theme 
that you know he knows the right thing to do and he's going to do it. Um, you know, I, I it just the backbone where you have you know Iron Man being sort of the 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 spirit, you know, but Captain America the backbone of the Avengers, you know, and just just setting itself up for what it became, you know, that you had the the other. The, you know, Civil War, which is basically an Avengers movie, but you know, Captain America carries it. You know, you have the Avengers movie itself, uh, and the other one. How many other now? Three, two or three. But anyway, it just you know having that as as the 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 proto uh, first Avengers movie, where you have you know Iron Man came out first. You have the Hulk, if you really want to talk about that. But then you have Captain America being set before anything happens before anything else and then you you see all these other elements you see howard stark there you see um uh Haley atwell's character you know being being put there and then how she followed into the you know the shield series and everything like that so you know you you have just it goes back to the roots and they do it the right way and they make captain america you know the way captain america is supposed to be so uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Still, still touches me to this day. And showed that they didn't have to have a modern spin. Mm. They yep. they did it as a period piece, and they made it yep. work. And they made Captain America work as a man of of his time that we can still like. You know, he's the greatest generation superhero. And thank the Lord that they did that too, because we would have ended up with, you know, if they hadn't have done that, it would have been Captain America in all black leather. <laughs> you know, with little bits of red, white, and blue sewn into the seams. Possibly. Yeah. Could have been. Possibly. Yeah. So what do you have, Evan? The Force Awakens. And why is that? Just because that's, uh, so far this decade, I believe that's the movie that has swept up the most people in just the love of movies and sci-fi and uh, captured the imagination of the nation and the world Mm -hmm. so and for me mad max fury road Mm. i just it again we're talking about important movies and this is one that it had something to say but it did so with uh practical effects and it just it is a fantastic movie it was a surprise to i think everyone i think including uh, the director, I can't remember his name. George Miller. George Miller, yeah. Happy Feet director. Yep, yeah. there he is. Um, <laughs> I think it was a surprise <laughs> to him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's so many things about that movie that it is, again, should not be as good as it is necessarily, but it it is a really, really well-made well, well made movie that that I think doesn't have the influence that it could have had as far as bringing in directors to direct movies that they are passionate about Mm -hmm. and want to make and want to say something with their movie. Um, Studios didn't catch on to that, you know, and they're trying to figure out what can we do to grab some of that lightning in the bottle that was in that movie. And no, studios want to hold on and have control. Yeah. And, and I mean, not that I would ever condone watching this movie, but same thing with Deadpool. Uh, where the director behind the movie was really passionate about it, and the, all the people involved are really passionate about it. And so then the studio, it, it was a huge success, and the studios look at it and say, 
that's the answer. Make everything rated R. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but that's... But that is some of what they're doing, though, (laughs) because I just, for some reason, studio executives just get the wrong lesson, you know, and they see something and they're like, what is it about this that makes it work so well? And they see the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, they see what is the thing that I can do as a producer? Hmm. What can I do? I can affect the rating. What can I do? I can bring in, you know, but rather they should be saying, okay, well, who can I bring in with a voice? Yeah. You know, or with passion. And now you lose control when you're doing that. And if you do that too much, you end up with Ant-Man where they lost the director. Yeah. You know, because he had too much of a voice. And so there we are. We made it. Over a hundred years of film. Wow. In under a hundred minutes. So <laughs> that's what we should call this episode. <laughs> Actually is not a bad idea. <laughs> that's a long title. <laughs> this episode is not as long as 2001, a space odyssey. I can, no, I can say that. <laughs> that can be said. So with that said, do we have a sponsor that we need to, to mention? I think we do. Well, let's mention our sponsor. All right. Our sponsor for this episode is The Woodprint Shop, which you can find at thewoodprintshop.com. And uh, if you want a customized, rustic woodprint of your photo or piece of art that you have, contact these guys. They will take it, and they will make a -a one-of-a-kind rustic piece of art for your wall or wherever you want to put it. Yeah, I've seen some really interesting pictures on their Facebook page of some things on people's walls mm-hmm. where it's kind of, there's one that's split up yes, into different panels. That was really, really neat. They're trying some new techniques. Yeah. They had a new saw. So now they can, uh, they made one wood print in the shape of the state of Michigan. That's not as far as States go. That's one of the easier shapes to make. Right. But, right. But well, I'm, there's some s- nice squares and rectangles, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. What <laughs> the last wood print we got and we gave one in the shape of Utah, you know, so <laughs> yeah. which is which is square. Yeah. So, um so yeah, before we go, is there any movie that you would you would have wanted to be more influential and important than it is? Cat people. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be the Iron Giant. Uh, which is yeah. on Netflix again. Is it? Yeah, so we're going to watch it with the kids sometime soon. Yeah. I always have it on my Apple TV whenever I should need it because I yeah. bought that thing. Bought that thing silly. <laughs> the question is, is the one on Netflix the extended cut that they just released in theaters? I didn't know there was an extended cut. I really want to see that. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Cat people. No. Cat people. Time flies the most in picture. That I would love if it was a thing. It's not. <laughs> but if you are a bored billionaire investor listening to this podcast, it could be a thing. Heck, I don't want a billionaire investor. I could I could handle just a, a millionaire investor. There you so. go. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. a millionaire. A millionaire investor would small would loan be great. of a million dollars. Anything is possible with Adobe Flash Animator. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, uh, Steve, got a final word for us? Cat people. Evan, got a final word for us? Superman. (laughs) 
We're not going to say what that's from because we don't want to spoil anything, but it's from something. So, <laughs> And I just have to say thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it, and we have a lot of fun doing this. Uh, but it's fun because we get to interact with you guys on our Facebook page. It's fun because we get to interact with uh, through email and interact through uh, just general conversation. So thank you for listening so much, everyone. And, of course, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. Cat people.